Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Heather Dunlop. She is a transformational coach and trainer. Welcome, Heather. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? Hey, Brad. I am so excited to be here. I just love when I have the opportunity to share my story and help inspire women. It's always great, and I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. Oh, it is my pleasure and my honor. I'm so excited to have you here and jump in and start to share a little bit about your journey and your story and the beautiful mm-hmm. light you put out into the world through the work you're doing. So with that being said, let's get started. Sure. Heather, how long have you been a transformational coach and trainer? So I've been doing this work for about three years. I really dug deep into it the past year. So it's very enlightening. And the more I do it, the more I learn and the more it shows me how much there is to this and the work that we get to do and the lives that we get to impact in a positive way. The healing process is an ongoing thing. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we are human beings, so we're constantly evolving and growing and expanding. So that work is never done. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you get to one thing and then you're like, wow, something new popped up. It's like each time you level up, something new comes up and it's like, I thought I worked on this, but it just shows up in a different way. So just be open to working on that and knowing that it's going to come up and in different fashions and be able to work through it is something that we all get to do. Yeah, absolutely. So what is and what does a transformational coach and trainer do? So what I do is I work mostly in the neuroscience space along with hypnosis and some NLP because I really get into what's going on in the brain and the subconscious mind. Because basically our brain holds everything that's ever happened to us, everything we've ever experienced or heard from the moment we were conceived. So all of that is in there and it pops up at different times in life. So what I work with women who've experienced sexual assault or domestic abuse, one of the things that we get to use in that way is what was life like before that? And because you came into the world open and loving and trusting people, and then let's bring some of that back. So the transformations goes from wherever she is now in her healing journey, whether she started it or is hesitant to start, or she's been working on it for years. And then we dig into what are those underlying beliefs that are running under the surface that we may not even realize are there. And we get to go out and root those out and create new beliefs that bring about the life that she really wants to. So the transformation is from wherever she's starting in the timeline that she's willing to go to get to the life that she is choosing to live now. 
instead of a life that she feels like she has to live because of what was done to her. That's a lot of deep and hard work. Yeah. For me, it's fun because it's so interesting to see how each of us who've been through a similar experience, we come out of it different because everybody's an individual. And with everything that's been running and been stored in our brains since conception, we all have a different perspective and different viewpoints. So someone may come through and it feels like it's the end of the road for them and that's all they're ever gonna be. And then there's others who say, this is something that happened to me. And there is a way to, through the coaching that and the work that I do, to go from thinking that's all there's ever gonna be in life to I get to choose how I see it and choose what I do with my life going forward. And that's what's so fascinating. That's beautiful. And so what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Heather? So for me, it comes back from this happened to me when I was a kid. I Four years of my childhood from age 8 to 12. And for many years after that, past my teens into my early 20s, I did not know how to deal with it. And I finally started to figure it out because one thing that drove me was I refused to be defined by what he did to me. And I refused to accept the label of survivor because for me, that wasn't enough. I didn't want to just survive. I knew there was more out there. So I kept digging and searching and trying all kinds of things. And I finally figured out what worked for me. And now I'm at a point where I get to share this with other women. And I get to inspire them. And that's one of the reasons why I love coming and speaking with people like you, Brad, is because I get to reach so many more people. And if I can inspire that one woman, the people that she impacts in her life also get to change. And together we get to break the cycle of abuse. That ripple effect is huge. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, when you do the work you do and have breakthroughs with your client, that gives them permission to stand up and share and have their voice heard, which then ripples out to other women Mm -hmm. who may be going through similar struggles. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I speak freely now. I used to not. I used to keep that secret. I used to think that I couldn't share it with a single soul, nobody, and that I carried that heavy weight And I finally figured out how to shed that and to speak it to the people first that I cared about who embraced me and supported me. And then once I got deeper into the healing process, then I was like, there's no stopping me now. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough though. I mean, there's, there's so much shame around all of this because of conditioning and parental conditioning, societal conditioning. We don't want the family to appear this way. We don't want people knowing what's going on in the family. And you've got to keep that quiet. And it's horrible to, I can't even imagine having to keep a secret like that buried inside and what that must do to a woman's insides. Like I can't even fathom it. It, It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, and it comes out We all express it in different ways. There's people that just pull it in and you can see it physically on them and you can see it wearing down. I used to break out in hives a lot. I used to get migraines that were debilitating. I had irritable bowel syndrome for years because I wasn't yet ready to deal with it emotionally. So I kept pushing it down. I was very good at taking feelings and shoving them way down and moving on, just move to the next. And that was not good for me because it manifested in so many ways. And I know there's a lot of other women 
that do that too, or some, they end up being people pleasers and put on a happy face and everything's great because their environment said, you have to show that everything is wonderful and you don't let anybody else know what's going on behind the doors. It's horrible. And so why have you decided to focus all of your energy and your business on helping to empower women? Obviously this came from your own personal story, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Can, Can you share a little bit about your personal journey? Yeah. So it was from age eight to 12 that I was molested. And the intimidation factor that went on during that time was incredible. And it rolled over into years down the road. And I went from being this super happy, fun-loving kid to all of a sudden being like quiet, withdrawn, not speaking to anybody, not wanting to be called on in class, because when I excelled, that's when it happened. So my brain related that to, if you do well, this is going to happen to you. And there was self-sabotage that went on for years afterwards because of that until I finally got to the root and made that connection. So it was the journey after with that through teenage years of being angry and not wanting to go on and having something just click one day and be like, that's it, that's enough. And now I went on this journey. I tried therapy. I tried group therapy, talk therapy. I read every single book there was. I talked to friends. I talked to family. And the one thing that really did it for me was, it's kind of strange to say, but I was attending a business conference and the man on stage spoke about forgiveness. And that just I sat in that room that day with tears falling down my face because I said, oh my gosh, when you talked about the three different people to forgive, everybody knows about the abuser. The second one is the people who may have known or witnessed or weren't sure or anybody around that may have even had a weird feeling. And then the third is yourself. And when he said to forgive yourself, that hit me the hardest. And when I finally went on this journey of understanding what forgiveness really is and how to forgive and how to embrace it and become a forgiving person, so much weight just went away because it's like you're taking back your power. You're taking back the decision. I get to choose to forgive because it's good for me. It's about you. It's not about the other person. It's not about the offender because we know he doesn't deserve it and it's not forgettable. If you choose to, you can forgive it though. And when you have that deep inner feeling of forgiveness, that is when it changes within you. And that is like when it really sparked within me that it had so much power. Yeah. I mean, you can carry all of that anger and that hate around around with you for the rest of your life if you want. But the only one it's hurting is you, that person, Mm -hmm. the abuser doesn't feel it. He or she doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. And I love But you said the three people. And I would think that third person being you is the most important person that deserves the most forgiveness out of all three of them. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was. For me personally, it was because I didn't think that I never even considered forgiving myself. And it's not because I was at fault for what was done to me because we never are. The other person chose to be that kind of a person and they just happened to pick us as the one they were going to do this to. But to forgive myself for carrying the anger, for keeping the secret, for allowing the shame to keep me quiet and keep me from healing. Those are the things I had to forgive myself for. And once I was able to do that, and it wasn't an easy process. I had to start out small. I had to start out with little things like driving down the road and someone cuts you off and it's like, ah, you want to yell at them. It's like, ah. Well, maybe they're just in more of a rush than I am. I can forgive that. Like little things like that and work your way up 
until that big thing. And don't make it so that there's a rush to do it. It's going to come in time. As you become a forgiving person, start where it's easiest, whether it's with you, with the witnesses, with the abuser. Some people say, I can't, I can never forgive him. And I think a lot of that comes from because they're thinking about him. But if they turn it in and say, it's for me, and it's not like you have to go tell this person. You don't have to go track them down and tell them. It's all about you feeling that you have forgiven what was done to you and you're ready to take back control of your life. So that's, that's where it, it all happens from. Yeah, every level of forgiveness is about the person doing the forgiving. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Heather. How have these experiences helped shape the Heather you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? So when I was young, I knew that I could excel at things. And this happened and I stopped excelling. And then it stopped me from succeeding in a lot of things, or I would sabotage so many things. I would sabotage career. I would sabotage if I was playing sports. Anything I was doing, I would end up in a self-sabotage. And once the healing happened, then it's like, okay, I know why I used to do that. And I'm not doing that anymore because I rooted out that belief that was causing it. And today I am just open and loving and kind. I meet people and I'm like, yes, I want to see the best in you. I trust you because you're human. I love you because you're human. I come into it open. Whereas back then I had so many walls up. It was like concrete, brick, steel, everything. You had to get through all these kind of walls. And I put people through so much work just to get to know me at all. Mm-hmm. And they'd never got to know the real me. Whereas today, come on in, let's get together. Let's have a conversation. (laughs) It's a completely different experience. And people have seen the change in me, people who have seen me the whole time. And they're just like, wow, I used to be so quiet, never talk. Like in class, I was like, don't call on me because I have been told I have to stay quiet. And now here I am doing a podcast for, you know, (laughs) thousands and thousands of people to hear. And that forgiveness journey, that would be the biggest piece that facilitated you to becoming the woman that you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we not only get to forgive the person who was there or the witness, it's our environment. It's going to school and being told you have to sit down and be quiet and you're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to get up and go to the bathroom. And when we go to work and work for someone else, oh, you're on a shift. You can only go in the bathroom on your break times and stuff like that. So we're still being told what we can and cannot do. And to break free from that and be like, you know what, this is who I am. And I'm going to say what I want. And if you don't like it, we'll deal with it. And it's okay, because you're not going to hurt me emotionally any longer. We can have a difference of opinion. And now we can have a conversation about it, instead of that old thing of wanting to pull in and quiet, and I did something wrong, and then hurt myself and feel bad and everything. And it comes out physically when we're doing that to ourselves. Whereas today, it's okay. I get to have these conversations and we have different points of view and I can still be friends and love people who have a different point of view. I love that. What would you say was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you through these experiences? The biggest, I have to say, definitely it was the forgiveness. Once I learned that and I sat in that room that day with him speaking on stage and it finally hit me what forgiveness is, everything changed from that moment on, everything That is huge. And I did an interview way back when I first started the podcast and it was with a woman. Her daughter was a victim of sexual assault. I was here in Ontario and the daughter didn't want to go through the court system, didn't want to go Mm -hmm. that route. They went a route called restorative justice Mm -hmm. and it was like a healing circle. And they sat around a circle. Her mother, I think 
one or two of her siblings were there, the gentleman who did this to her and one of his friends and then some mediators. And it was like an eight or nine hour day. Mm-hmm. And they just talked out everything. She got to say her piece. He got to say his piece. And that was how they dealt with it. Yeah. Instead of going through the court system. Now, I didn't even know this existed. This was a possibility to take that route instead of the legal justice route. I had no idea. But what an incredible way to deal. I mean, the resilience and strength that must have taken to deal with it that way. I mean, she didn't want to sit on a stand and and be victimized, which is Mm -hmm. part of why she chose to go that route, which is completely understandable because in the court system, that's usually how it works. The woman gets played as the bad person here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to go that route, I think it was incredibly strong and courageous and resilient to go that route instead of the legal route. So he didn't do any prison time. I can't remember what the outcome was, but oh, he had to go to counseling. I know that. Just a very different take on how to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, we all have our own take on it. A lot of women who've been raped do not want to because the rape kit and that process alone of gathering yeah. evidence can feel even more violating then the so it's like it's happening again and again and then to sit on the stand and relive that can be absolutely horrific to come out at the end and they say well you don't have enough proof or or evidence to prove him guilty even though she knows exactly who did it and what was done to her so there's all kinds of healing journeys to take some go after you and you can do the restorative justice and for me it happened in my childhood that person has not been in my life for a very long time They're never coming back to my life. And I get to choose to heal and move on. And that's it. Yeah. Doing the self-work and the healing. And again, which of course ties into the forgiveness. Yeah. And the one thing to keep in mind is take the route that's best for you. Not because others are pressuring you. Because that may not work and you may feel even worse afterwards. But take the route that is the best one for you. And there's all kinds of support regardless of which avenue you choose to take. Thank you for sharing that. That's very important that they know, that the women listening Mm -hmm. know that. What would you say are the three most important lessons you've learned as a transformational coach? One of them is that it's your own healing journey. Everybody gets to do it in a way that works for them. Working with me as a coach might work for a lot of people. Other people are going to choose to go to a therapist. Others are going to choose to just talk to friends and family. So it depends on the route that works best for you. I did a combination of a number of things for mine. So just take the route that's best for you. The other thing is that I get to listen. And I think that's one of the most powerful parts of the coaching that I do because my client talks and I listen and she gets to be heard. And there's no judgment. I'm not here to say this happened, this didn't happen. I believe you. I don't believe you. You come to me and you say, this is what I want to work on. I believe it happened. I believe it because you believe it. And I get to sit there and listen and help you through the process. So you get to be heard. You get to actually understand what's going on in your brain for that healing process to happen. And then the end, it's like when I see that transformation, oh my gosh, sometimes it just takes a couple of sessions. It's like two or three coaching sessions and you can see it happening. And then months down the road, it's like all of a sudden they're a completely different person out living their life they were meant to live. Like one of them, a client that we had, we lived in a very small town and she had been raped the night that her divorce was finalized by him. And she would not leave the house. She would not go to the local post office with a town of less than 2,000 people. She would, in the restaurant, 
she would not go to the bathroom unless someone from the family walked with her. Six months later, she was in Las Vegas at a massive hotel, at an event, at a convention. And she's like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And her family's like, oh, we'll go with you. She's like, no, I got this. <laughs> and it was just like that kind of transformation is exciting to see and is so wonderful about the work I get to do. What a gift that is. Yeah, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. How has your coaching style evolved since you first started to now? I think I've learned to be more patient and to allow her to go at her own pace because it used to be like, I know I can help you. <laughs> I just know I can help you and I can see what's happening because I've worked with so many women and this is the work that I do. I get to study it and I can see where they're going to end up. Now I get to sit back and guide them. So they take that journey and they lead that journey. And I'm not taking them somewhere they don't want to go. Because when she gets to see what's happening in her own brain, the thoughts that are happening, the words that are stopping her, the emotions that are being triggered as a result of that, and we get to shift that trigger instead of having a reaction, we get to choose the next step and change the result. Then she's like, oh my gosh, I did this. And that's what's so powerful is it the belief that she has in herself as yeah. a result and the way her beliefs change. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do as a coach, Heather? It's really even just talking about it, just sharing it. Just every time I do this, I light up and I get so energized. It's because I know that every single time that I get to speak publicly, I'm going to impact a minimum of one woman. And she is going to be able to change and choose her healing journey to move forward and to be able to see that in others, because I've always been very protective of other people. You can do all kinds of things to me, but don't you dare go after the people I care about. And to me, these women are the people I care about. So if I can inspire her to say it's possible and I'm going to look into making a change for myself, or at least to start to believe that it's possible to live out the life she was meant to live, the life she was born to live, that it is possible to let this go and leave it in the past and not have everything you do and every decision you make and every person you meet be filtered through the abuse, but be filtered through a new lens where you say, I get to trust and I get to feel safe within my body, within my home, within my environment, because that creates so many wonderful people and we get to break this cycle. Absolutely. What, in your opinion, is the most important quality or skill set in a coach? It's about the understanding. It's about being able to listen and allow your client to reveal what needs to be revealed. Because eventually a lot of clients come in closed up because it's hard to admit this happened, especially to a stranger when we're meeting for the first time. So to be a coach, it's about having the patience and listening her and creating an environment where she feels she can just open up and say anything that's on her mind. There's nothing you can say that will offend me. Say whatever you need to, because we're here to do the work together. Creating that safe space. Yeah, absolutely. You are the creator of the Release, Renew, Revive program. Can you share with us a little bit about the program, how it <laughs> came to be created, how you implement it with your clients that you work with? Yeah, so it came to be because I wanted to write a book for a couple of years and it took a little while for me. I wanted to put so much into the book. 
And I kept getting distracted and I started working with a coach on it. And I said, I want three sections. And the first section is about the release. So release the past and so that it no longer has a hold over every decision you make because your life is not about him. And the second section, the renew, is all about how we go in in the brain. Like our brains are constantly renewing and rewiring themselves for the good or for the bad. So if we get to choose to, why not make it for the good? And that's what I do with the neuroscience and a process of hypnosis as well, is rewiring the brain and taking that old belief that I'm not enough, that I'm broken and removing that belief and installing new beliefs, the belief that my client wants, because the ones I want for myself may not be what she wants. It's all about what does she want for her life? And let's work on creating the beliefs that will bring that about. And then the revive is all about, let's bring back that joy for life, right? Because we all came into the world as happy, giggly little babies and we trusted and we loved and we felt safe and we knew someone was going to feed us and change our diaper and protect us. And we had that until this event happened. So we can tap into, when we want to tap into the past, let's tap into that and let's bring back the joy for life. And one of the processes I use through that is through gratitude. So in the release, I use forgiveness. In the renew, it's about rewiring through neuroscience and and hypnosis if the client wants that. And then in the revive, let's bring about a practice of gratitude. Let's bring about our confidence. Let's bring that confidence back because you can feel confident just like that when you know how. You get to step into it and feel it. And you can carry it from one area of life into another area. It starts to roll over and has that ripple effect so that you find yourself saying, wow, I feel good. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to figure it out. It's it's totally different. Yeah. So So the program has been turned into a book then, or the book was turned into a program. Yes. The book happened. I started writing it last October. End of September, last October, I started working with a coach. So it's coming out like mid-July, end of July. So super excited. Wow, that's coming up. That's real soon. Yeah. You'll have to send me the link so I can put Mm -hmm. it in the show notes for when your episode is released so that people can check that out, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And the program has developed out of that. So it's part coaching, it's part training, and it's part accountability. Because when you show up, change happens. When you show up in person, that's when change happens. When you show up and you want to hide certain things and your coach says, I see what's going on here. You just said this and this. And you're like, oh my gosh, those are my words that came out of my mouth. And I actually went through this recently because I still work with a coach and she brought something up and I said, wow, (laughs) okay, I've got to do some work around that. (laughs) Heather got called out on her shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I love it though, because that's how we get to grow. We don't get to hide when we work with someone who's willing to hold us accountable and not just be a yes person. So Mm -hmm. if you want a coach that's going to say, this has been happening. Is this, you said you want this, but you're actually doing this other thing. So do you really want this? And let's work on making that happen because we have to deal with the other thing too. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the biggest challenges you face as a coach for victims of sexual assault and domestic violence and how do you address them? So the biggest challenge is that stigma around society that I can't let anybody know. So I put myself, I'm on the social media. I go live five times a week on Facebook and I share and I give tips and I share what's happened to me and my story and the process we go through. And I'm always open and available. And other people may look at my page and my socials and say, well, you don't get much engagement. And I said, 
you may not see the engagement. I know she's watching though, because when I have that call with her, she may never have commented or liked on a single post. And when I have that conversation, she talks to me about a recording I did. So I know she's watching. So that's the biggest challenge is to say, you know what? Everybody else might want you to keep a secret. They might hold this stigma against you. Society may still have this stigma where they support the abuser and they victimize us again. But that doesn't happen with me because you're talking to someone who lived it. So when she then comes in, it's that initial interaction where she gets to see that, yeah, I can trust you because it doesn't go beyond me. What are some common misconceptions about sexual assault and domestic violence that you've encountered in your work as a coach? So it's that stigma from society. It's the belief other people may have had that she deserved it. She dressed a certain way. She flirted. Nope. Regardless of how you act, nobody has the right to violate you. Nobody. So we get to come in and say, this thing's happened. And we get to choose by standing here today, we get to break this cycle and say that it ends with me. It may have happened to me. It's not going to happen to anyone else in my life. How do you prioritize safety and self-care for your clients who may be dealing with ongoing threats of violence or abuse? So the absolute first thing I say is seek immediate help. If you are in danger, the first thing to do is seek immediate help. You can call 911. There's an organization called RAIN. It's R-A-I-N. It's national throughout the states. Call their 800 number. It's 800-656-4673. Get help if you're in immediate danger. Then once I know my client is safe and out of the environment, then that's when I get to work with her because there are people who are better suited to help someone who's currently going through it than I am. Right. And they're more local to you. So I want you to make sure you know, regardless of where you are, there are advocates around who help you. There's women who have been through it who will come out to your home if you need to. Recently, I had about two years ago, my neighbor the man she was living with came home one night and he was like banging and screaming, kicking doors, threatening her and everything. I was on the phone with 911 right away. If something's going on, even if you try to hide it, the people around you know, they know. So feel like there's at least someone in your life you can reach out to for yeah. help. And with my coaching, it's she comes to me, she knows it's between us. I don't share names. If someone says, yes, you can give a testimonial. It's because she said I can. Right. It's because she gave me permission. Can you speak to the importance and potential of coaching as a tool for healing and empowerment for individuals who have experienced sexual assault or domestic violence? So what we do with the coaching, which is different from therapy, is coaching is about looking forward and working on where you want to go. We deal with what's happened, but we're always looking forward, whereas therapy tends to spend more time in the past. So it's really what you as a client want to work with and where you want to go. And there's things that'll come up in coaching where we'll say, this kind of sounds like therapy. Are you sure you want to talk to me about this? And at this point, I think you may need to see a therapy around this area, whereas we can work in coaching in some different areas. So it's really about the client, who they are and what they're bringing up at the time. What their needs are. Yeah. Can you discuss any particular techniques or exercises you may use to help clients address issues related to trust, boundaries, and communication after experiencing sexual assault or domestic violence? Yeah. So one of the things I talk about is how to really be an affirmative person, to really stand within your power 
because the way we carry ourselves, the way we speak, it all impacts what we get back. So when we start to use our voice, so if we choose not to keep that secret, if we're keeping the secret, we're keeping our voice shut. And it's not just about that one thing, it carries over into every area of the life. So if you start to use your voice and you speak it out loud, even if you're by yourself in the shower and you say, this happened to me, and just let it flush down the drain with the water, just let it go. Because using your voice is going to start to set boundaries because someone's going to say, oh, I can't push her around anymore. She's actually starting to speak up or share her opinion. So that and just being a more assertive person and within your body, the way you carry your body, sometimes I can feel myself, I sit in a chair all day and your body wants to curl up. If you get up and you stretch and you pull your shoulders back and you lift your chest up, that naturally brings more power into your body. So people feel it even when you walk through the grocery store, how you carry yourself. It's like, oh, she's someone you can't just push around. So <laughs> She's so, got an air of confidence about her. Yeah, yeah. And that starts to set boundaries. People don't all of a sudden knock you around and bump into you and stuff. It's like, oh, I'm standing firm in my feet. And you can't just knock me over anymore. So the physical starts to then relay into everything else you do. And you set boundaries within relationships too. With the forgiveness process, one of the things I talk about is after you've forgiven, you get to choose what that relationship looks like afterwards. That's right. And whether or not you want that person in your life. And if they're going to be in your life, what does that look like? And you sit down, here's what it's going to look like. And if they don't, you then get to say, this is what I stated and you didn't follow that. And if you're not going to follow that, we're not going to have any relationship. Yeah, there's no room for you in my life. Yeah, so you get to set the boundaries in all kinds of different ways. In what ways or how do you create a safe and non-judgmental environment for your clients to feel comfortable when sharing their experiences and struggles? It's the listening part. It's also that if she's seen me on social media, she knows I've shared my story. If she's heard me on your podcast, she knows I'm open to sharing. She has an understanding that I've experienced it. And that creates the feeling of coming in saying she's not going to judge me because she's been through it too. And her understanding. So if she hasn't, I let her know from the beginning of our conversations that this is where I came from. And I'm not here to push you. I'm here to help you and guide you. I'm not going to drag you along to someplace you don't want to go. I'm here to guide you on your path and your journey because it is yours. I was reading through some of the numbers, statistics for domestic violence, and they're staggering and it's horrific. Can you tell us and share a little bit about the stats? And also, I'm really curious to know what the numbers of cases are when it comes to, let's flip that, and men who are suffering from, because it does happen to men too, Mm -hmm. albeit, of course, it's nowhere near as common as it is for women, but I'd love to know if you have any stats on what those are for men who deal with and go through or suffer in domestic violence and sexual assault. So I think it's surprising that the number of men that experience this isn't that far off from the number of women. Really? Yes. They said one of the stats that I saw, I checked my stats on rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N. It's the Rape Abuse Incest National Network here in the States. Okay. And they were saying that one in four men in the U.S. experiences this in some fashion. Wow. And the majority of them is when they're at college. So at college age. Worldwide, it's one in three women have experienced sexual assault. One out of three. So I know that whenever I walk into a room with more than three women, there's others. It's a representation. And it came out 
when I first started speaking about it, I discovered that friends I had for a long time had experienced it also. Because we tend to see something in each other and recognize that. So it's one in three women worldwide. Huge. That's, so, that's horrific. Yeah. And the thing about it is that the majority of the cases are either not tried or if they are tried, I think it's less than 15% are actually convicted, which is another reason why women don't come forward because I bring it forward and I go through this whole process in the justice system and not even 50% are convicted. That is fucking brutal. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. And I just want to talk, go back again to talk about the male part of it, the men who deal with this. Now, I would imagine, just like women, a huge part for the men is the absolute shame around, especially being men mm -hmm. and coming forward. And again, that's not to take away from what women, the amount of women who have gone through it, but for men, the absolute shame around that for them, they're supposed mm -hmm. to be the protectors and mm -hmm. all of these. Again, it goes back to the societal conditioning bullshit that yep. men are supposed to be the, these big, strong protectors. And for them to have gone through that, I would imagine that's a huge thing as to why men don't come forward and speak about it. Oh, yeah. I think the stigma is probably even heavier on the male side of it because of that. Um, and a lot of them, it's happened when they were young. So they grew up with that. Or they kind of went even more alpha yeah. as a reaction to it. More right. alpha than they would have naturally done. I know one man who is well known and it happened to him when he was a kid. Yeah. And here he is almost 40 years old and they are still reposting and reposting it on the pornography child sites. So it continues. Yeah. After everything he's done and everything he's become, it still is out there, yes. which can happen to anybody. But... On the male side of it, yeah, it just keeps them even more intimidated and, and want to keep the shame because of the way society has said, how could you let this happen to you kind of a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're overpowered, and especially there's a reason why so yeah. many go after children. There's every 68 seconds in the United States, there is a sexual assault. And every nine minutes, it's a child. Jesus. So it's like in the time we've been on this call... We've been yeah. here 42 minutes. About 40 assaults have happened across the country. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. And so then I would love to know, in your opinion, what is the way forward through all of this? And how do we, I mean, when you think about it, this issue is so prevalent, it, it seems insurmountable. So how do we start to deal with this and start to make progress in mm -hmm shifting things around this. Something's got to be done. This is insane. Yeah. So obviously the, the judicial system, it's not <laughs> working. It's no. just not working. And this is why one of the reasons why I speak out, because I've had my healing journey and do things pop up occasionally? Yeah. But the trigger might be there, but it's a different reaction now. And I know that I ended that cycle. I broke it because it's not happening to anybody else around me. So when I get to inspire other women to break the cycle for themselves and in their family, then their children are safe. Their children are able to recognize the symptoms and the signs, or she'll recognize it quicker because she's been through it and she's healed from it. So she knows how to guide her children, her family, her friends. And together as we break the cycle and we say, that's it, it ends with me. 
then those numbers should change. I mean, the judicial system needs to change. I, I, you hear mm-hmm. stories of women who have been physically abused or even verbally abused or scared and they call the police and the police show up. Well, there's nothing, nothing's being done. There's no proof of anything. We can't, what can we do? Right. And they walk away and they leave. So it's like they have to wait for something tragic to happen before they can do anything. And then it's too fucking late. So what good is that? Sometimes even when the tragedy happens, if you're living in this environment, this is your home. That's one of the things with COVID with all those lockdowns. That's what scared me. Because I knew, I said, well, these kids used to have a school to go to. These women, if they were at home, he went out to work. That's right. Now, everybody's in this one small environment. You can't go to school. You can't go to work. The finances are getting strained. Alcoholism went up and domestic violence. I don't even think we've begun to see a ripple of what has happened and what's going to come out of the lockdowns because so many people were in the same house. Now you have to teach your children about classes and stuff. It's like, I don't know science. Are you kidding me? So then things react because of that because there's more pressure on the parents to do this and everyone's in this smaller environment. So I think that is going to have a hugely negative impact that we haven't seen yet. For sure. How can women who are experiencing these forms of abuse reach out and ask for help in connection with that? What can we do to pay attention and support those who we suspect are in abusive relationships? So here in the States, it's RAIN.org, R-A-I-N, Rape, Abuse, Incest, National Network.org. Their number is 800-656-HOPE. So it's 800-656-4673. If it's happening in the moment, call 911 First thing you do when you call 911 is give out the address. Don't tell them what's going on. As soon as you give out the address, they're on the way. They'll get there faster. And seek help. Seek at least find one person, even if it's a stranger, that you can say, I need help and get that help. And you have to put yourself first. You have to get yourself out of that situation first. And that can feel difficult when you've got children in the house because you need to get yourself to safety first so you can get them the help. That is, to me, the most important is the reaching out and the getting help from others. The other thing, part of the program that I do and I bring up periodically is self-defense training. Because when you feel it physically, then your mind starts to believe it too. So we do it from the mind and the emotional side, and we also do it from the physical side to create a whole healing process, even after you're out of it. Because you might go around and, you know, for me, it was 15 years. I still felt that there were threats around, even though that person was no longer in my life. You still feel that you get a twinge, your body clenches up in certain situations. And to say, you know what, I know how to deal with this and I'm going to be okay. What about outsiders, though? who Mm -hmm. see or they have an inkling that something's going on, what would be your advice to them to support a friend? How would they go about doing that? Because sometimes people just don't want to talk about it again because of the shame. So what would you suggest for people who see it from an outsider's point of view? So it depends on how close you are. If you've got a really close relationship, you know what's going on. They may have already told you. Don't tell them what to do. They've got to make that decision on their own in order for it to stick. You can provide resources when they bring it up. You can be there and listen. So say to them, hey, do you want me to come over? Do you want me to check on you? If they have a getaway plan, do you need help with that? Where can you put these things? Let me know what's going on with you. Do you need me to check in on you? The checking can be something simple, just like 
Maybe you change the drapes in the room so that no one else knows except for that person. Right. Maybe it's just a quick phone call asking a, a random question that wouldn't seem obvious to the person in the room that indicates to them that you need help. And they can then call 911 and get there to help you. The thing is to be open and be there for them and to support them and not confront them and say, how come you don't just leave? <laughs> That's right? going to be one of the stupidest things you could say to someone. Right? There's so much more involved. There's yeah. so much involved. And a lot of this is about the psychological aspect of it and yeah. the intimidation factor and the fear yeah. drives so much of what we do. Our emotions sure. drive our decisions. And fear is one of those biggest emotions. Absolutely. So let them know you're there for them and they'll come to you when they're ready. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a very important piece. So thank you. Heather, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think the one thing is that I am persistent when there is something that I want, that I know that I can do, I keep going and I get knocked down. Yep. I get knocked down. I get knocked down. I keep going. It's even like when I did marathons, I should have been pulled off the, the course because I, I, I am not a marathoner. I don't look like a marathoner. I was in bad shape. If I had let them see that, they would have pulled me on the course. So I stopped in a shop and I got something I needed to re-energize myself. And I kept persisting because I knew where the, the finish line was. And that's something that I have used those lessons from when I trained for those marathons through so many things in my life. Take it bit by bit. It might be this big goal. It might seem like healing and living the life of a thriving woman is so far down the road. But all you got to do is take that very first step. And if you get knocked back, that's okay. You just take two steps and you get back to where you were and then you move a little further on. And if you fall to the side, that's okay. We're here to support you and lift you up. So for me, it's, I am very persistent in what I want. I just, when it's what I want, I just keep going. I don't care how long it takes me. Yep. (laughs) I I don't care how long it takes me. I will figure it out and I will get there. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? To me, it's not all the winning, all the money, all it's being able to get up. It's being able to say all of these things came at me and I'm still standing. Everything has come in different directions, different times in life, difficult things, physical things, emotional things, financial, whatever it is. Success is to be able to get up and say, there is something forward that's moving me in that direction. There is something that I am meant to do that is so much bigger than me. So all these things can come at me and that's okay because I will get back up. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I have to go back to forgiveness. (laughs) (laughs) It It was such a pivotal moment in my life because I got to release so much of the weight that I had been carrying for years. And it was just like, oh my gosh, you know what? I get to just love for the sake of loving people. I get to love myself which is the most amazing thing. I get to choose who I spend my time with and how I spend that time. And I get to choose to trust people and I get to choose to feel safe. And I get to choose that if I'm in a situation that is not right for me, I get to change it and I get to leave if I want to. So forgiveness opened all of that. And from that moment forward, it was just like all the weight was gone and it actually brought the power back into my life. What a gift that is and Mm -hmm. has been for you. Yeah. It's amazing. What does the word empowerment mean to you? To me, it's about control, the control to choose. Someone can say you're empowered 
But if you don't embrace it and accept it, you're not. So when you get to take that in and say, this is what I get to choose to do and where I'm going, that to me is empowerment. Love that. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next uh-huh. grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> How would you describe yourself in one word? Resilient. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? Oh, gosh, my passion. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To be forgiving. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I stood for what I believed in. What is your favorite self-care practice? Exercise and my morning routine. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) Heather, what is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? That it's not about anybody else. It's about what you want to do with your life. You will succeed when you choose to. You will learn everything you need to. You will learn to navigate the system. If it's in a job, you'll learn to navigate that company, that organization, and you will succeed. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? That, wow. (laughs) (laughs) We're digging deep, Heather. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what it's really about is that there's so much more to learn. I think that I have just touched the very tip when the iceberg is way down deep. And I get to explore that. And I love that journey. What is your why? Oh, my why. It is because I went all the levels deep. Why is not just the surface. It's you got to go deep. And I went deep and it wound up being that at the very core is because I remember how helpless I felt when it was happening to me and that there was no way for me to get through it. And I know how that feels and I know how awful that feels and how devastating that can be. And I do this because I know other women have felt it too. And I want her to see what's possible. I want her to be inspired to keep going and to put in the work because it is so worth it. And it can happen when you choose to make it happen. Love it. You are the permission slip for your clients of what's possible. Yeah. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Well, if it was an imagined woman, it'd be my future self. <laughs> I love it. Because answer. she'd get to tell me and that it keeps inspiring me to keep going. Though the being is my mom. My mom is the greatest woman. She is the woman who has always been there, no matter what has happened in life. She has been there. She knows me better than anybody. And she also gets to say, hey, do you remember when this happened and you chose this? Or why are you doing that? So, yeah, to know her and to understand her better. She's the one. Moms rock. They're the best. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't be here without her. There you go. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? That everything that comes your way is to teach you something, to make you stronger, to make you wiser, to make you kinder, to make you more loving. That's a tough lesson. You know, I mean, we have to, no matter what the situation is, and of course, it's very hard in the moment, but we have to look for the lesson or the Mm -hmm. teaching or the silver lining in that and realize that it is happening for us for a reason to teach us something. 
to help us grow and expand. It's really hard when it's a shitty mm-hmm. thing that's happened, but we have to be able to take a step back and look at that through a different lens. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. Tough. It takes a lot of work to get there to be able to do it though. Yeah. And for some of the things I've experienced, it's like, I just have to get through this. I have to just survive that moment, that experience. And then afterwards, when it's the stress is gone, then I get to say, okay, let me shift one degree because it'll take me in a different direction and I'll have a completely different outcome. And if you don't learn the lesson, you will continue to receive that lesson until it is learned. Yeah. The universe will keep smacking (laughs) you in the back of the head. It'll keep, it'll keep coming up. You're like, why does this happen again and again? Because you didn't listen the fourth time. Yes. Because you didn't learn what you needed to learn. And the same thing will come up, but you'll learn something else from it. That's right. It's not just one lesson doesn't have one learning. It has many learnings that come out of it. So until we learn it and it becomes a part of us, it's not just, yeah, I learned that and moving on. It's not like in school. Yeah, I passed the test. I get to move on and forget all about it. (laughs) No. No. Life lessons, you learn them. And when it it becomes a part of you, that's when you'll stop getting that lesson. Lastly, Heather, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? You're not alone. You are loved and you are worthy of everything you want in your life. And know that there are women here to help you and guide you. There's me and there's many others like us. And we want the best for you because everything is possible when you choose to take that healing journey. Beautifully said. Heather, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here with me today and for sharing in your story and your journey. And of course, for your incredible vulnerability talking about your journey I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me that you allowed me into this space with you to share in that. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And thank you for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through all the work you do and all the women that you help through that. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have had the opportunity to sit down and speak with you today. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it so much. And I am grateful for this time we've spent together because I know that there's so many women that are going to have the opportunity to say it's possible And they're going to be inspired. And I am so thankful for you for helping me spread the word and to reach them. My pleasure. My honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Heather Dunlop. She is a transformational coach and trainer. Thank you, Heather, so very much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.